It's time to swing into the golf world of today. I don't think I've had this much fun on a golf show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart, sponsored by TaylorMade. Terrific voice, and you have enthusiasm. Now your host, the director of fun. Give me that guy all day. He's the best. Keith Stewart. Good afternoon, and welcome to The Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. Thank you for tuning in to ESPN 920. We're lining up a really interesting show for this afternoon. Our guest is going to give you uh, one of those aha moments. J.R. Smith's story inspires others in school. The breeze is definitely blowing in Bermuda, and Greg Norman is up to something. Can't stop the weekend from coming at this point, so sit back, pour a glass, turn up the volume, and take it all in. Starting with, of course, the Chili Peppers. Hit it, Wade. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Chop, chop, it says I'm gonna win big. Choose not to like of imitation. Distant cuts into the reservation. You know what there, Mr. Wade Weezer? Yes, sir. It's one of those uh, breaking news Fridays. Really? Where our show is perfectly aligned with some of the biggest news in the golf stratosphere. So it's a BNF. Yes. Yes, good job on the acronym there. Right on the spot. That's for sure. That's why you are the producer extraordinaire. Um, but let's talk about a couple things first before we get to uh, Shark Week. All right. Which I'm calling it at this point. Uh, how was your week? I'm fighting one of those nasty colds that uh, w- w- once you start coughing, tears are involved. Yes. Oh, <laughs> golly. All right. No well, COVID. I'm a negative. So we're, we're good. Yes. Well, um, besides that's fine. I trust you. All right. Well, hey. You know, I, you know what I, well, let's look forward. Let's not look back. Let's look forward. Uh, this Monday, Tuesday, I'm teeing it up with the New Jersey PGA. So I'm excited about that little tournament down at Galloway national there down by the Atlantic city, down by the Jersey shore in Galloway. And, uh, going to go play with my good friend, Vince Ramagli. So partnering up with him, going to enter the arena and, uh, put the game to the test. So that's great. Yes. Earlier today, I was hitting a couple balls over at the club and, uh, things to be, seem to be working. So I could hit it and find it. I'm not too directionally challenged. But um, one thing I'm looking forward to today is today is our guest, Scott Fawcett. And uh, his program, Decade, um, is one of those uh, course management, um, definitely mind-blowing experiences. And I'm a big fan. Uh, I love, uh, I've been accused many times in my life of being maybe too much of a realist. And uh, I love the real that he brings to the game of golf. He simplifies things. He makes it fun. And he gives you the opportunity to shoot lower scores uh, at times with basically the same game that you're working with. And I love that methodology. So I can't wait to talk to him and maybe pick up a couple of tips before I get there uh, into the uh, the gladiator zone, the arena there on Monday, Tuesday. So looking forward to that. I know one thing that the guys out in Bermuda aren't looking forward to, and that's more wind. Uh, yesterday it was blowing yeah. un- it, unbelievable, especially in the morning. There was a three-shot differential between the morning wave and the afternoon wave. And, you know, when you're in the world of wagering on these weekend fellows. Weather's he, not your friend. <laughs> the weather yesterday. I mean, I tell you, I was on every weather app imaginable on Wednesday. And I'm thinking to myself, come on, it's, you know, it's Bermuda supposed to be nice it was not nice it was not nice to the early morning guys and uh thankfully i i i was uh uh, distributing my portfolio over the a.m and p.m times so (laughs) things balance out which is good um things definitely balanced out for brandon hagee who shot 65 he's your round one leader uh chad ramey you've got uh patrick rogers in there you've got vince whaley in there uh seven six five four 
three, two under there. But seven under 65 in the afternoon was great when the morning rounds were lucky to get in at one under. Again, three shot differential between the two is pretty crazy. And at times we've been accused of being a little bit crazy there, Mr. Wade Weezer. When we talk about this premier golf league or this Saudi Arabian golf league, golf initiative, things that are going on, so on and so forth. But uh, it seems as if uh, here's where the breaking news comes in, my friend. Okay. Uh, as told this morning by our good friend Mark Canazar from the New York Post, but it was everywhere. Golf Week, Golf Digest, everyone, they're, they're, they're throwing this story out there. There was a secret meeting this past Wednesday at which Greg Norman was announced as the new CEO of the Live Golf Investments. And Live Golf Investments, according to sources, mm-hmm. right, are about to launch a World Golf League. Wow. And this LIV is uh, the acronym L-I-V, right? Um, the 66-year-old Greg Norman. Here's what we know, folks. Uh, the 66-year-old Greg Norman is going to be the CEO of this league. And, you know, there's there's a lot of plot twists in this. And I'll get to that in a second. But let's go over a couple of these details. Uh, it's going to start in 2022. Uh, that's next year. For those of you counting at home, they're going to try to do uh, 10 events. And it's going to start in the spring of 2022. Norman, who has been known, you know, when he was at the height of his power, number one in the world back in the early 90s, he tried to start a World Golf League and it got shot down at that time by PGA Tour Commissioner Tim Fincham, followed up by Jay Monahan. And the PGA Tour has been, you know, tried to stay in control of World Golf. Right. But uh, it doesn't seem as if the uh, the shark um, has let that go. Is this a partnership type thing? Uh, no, no, not at all. It's no, completely independent. Yeah, it's completely independent. Um, it's going to be called a it's it's being coined a rival league. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's from a fan's point of view. This is all pretty cool stuff. And, uh, I, you know, I want to report it in that within that perspective and in that light. You know, I, I want to come out and say that competition is good in all things, whether it be business on paper. Tech, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, at the end of the day. The fans of golf love what tournaments? We love the majors. Why? Because all the best players in the world compete head-to-head, and we get to see some of the best drama unfold on the greatest golf courses. Well, if that's the blueprint for success in selling the game in a televised fashion, there's no doubt that the game is more popular than it's ever been, even when you consider the Tiger boom. But what's interesting about this is that there is going to be this league and there are going to be some major players, no names yet, but you know, the rumor mill is, is really starting to circle on this. And it's November, a time of year when golf is generally quiet, right? You know, we are months away, probably 170 something days away from the masters. And all we're talking about in golf is a rival league. Who's going to jump? What's going to happen? How much money's involved? And it's interesting where Greg Norman comes in on this because you kind of have to see his point to a certain degree. And the PGA Tour is now a year-round institution. And as a year-round institution, and folks, I'm going to take you on a little journey here, right? Back when I was a kid, I could remember watching the Golf Channel. And, well, I wasn't a, as much of a kid, but, you know. It's okay, I, go with kid. You know, it's, <laughs> I was like a college graduate. It feels like a kid at this point. But um, when the Golf Channel came around there in the mid-90s, I remember watching European Tour and the Australian Asian Tour and stuff because I just loved to you know, watch golf. And it was on, and it was on at odd hours. You know, you'd watch the Australian Open. It started at like 11 p.m., 
you know, like a couple weeks ago at the Zozo, you know, they're in Japan. So the, the golf's on through the middle of the night. And, you know, those days in my 20s, I was up more in the middle of the night than I am sure, now, you sure, know. Sure. And, you know, all of those events that took place on those different tours have now been sort of shoved out of the way by the PGA Tour because it goes like 50 weeks a year. And I see Norman's point. You know, we all think of Greg Norman as being this, you know, um, you know, this kind of swashbuckling, you know, golf uh, hero that came onto the stage, number one in the world. You know, he he had some great wins, but he also had some great catastrophes and everything. But you forget that he's from Australia, mm-hmm. right? So he thinks of the golf world from not from, you know, just looking at the U.S., but more from everything but the U.S. Right. Right. So he's looking at the, the Asian markets like China and Japan and South Korea. He's looking at Australia, certainly, which is near and dear to his heart. He's looking at the European markets, the South African market, all these places where the people that are near and dear to his heart are playing and, you know, trying to look for opportunities to get to the biggest world stage. And. So I kind of see the point where he jumps on this thing and he says, I wanted a world golf tour because I want to, you know, I want to present the game to the world. Expand it. Not just, you know, come through this um, kind of biased kaleidoscope through the PGA Tour, which which is which has, you know, definitely um, a United States sort of lean sure. in all that they do. Right. And I, and I get that, you know, um, we are probably also uh, a very large audience, but are we a larger audience than China? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to get into all that. But all I'm saying is that this tour is happening. We don't have the names yet, mm-hmm. but what they say is that we're going to find out a couple names in the next couple weeks. And these stories have now officially put it out there. This LIV Investments has spent $200 million to support the Asian tour. Now, this is a key cog in the works, and this is probably where the Super Golf League, the Premier Golf League, uh, the Marvel Superheroes, Star Wars League, all these other ones that came out and didn't make it, is that because they are part of a sanctioned tour now, and they've invested and bought into this tour, they'll get world ranking points. That means anyone that goes and plays on it, let's think about it, now they can get world ranking points, which means they can earn their way into majors. So now the majors... Totally legit. Yeah, so they're definitely, they're definitely in legit land. Um, which is a big deal because now it's not just so much that like, does it make sense to me that Phil Mickelson jumps there? Yeah, he's 51 years old. He doesn't need to fight his way into any majors. Masters won it. I can go. You know, U.S. Open. Well, I just won the PGA. I got five more years of that. Yeah. Right. Um, the PGA I won it a couple times. Uh, the Open Championship. I've won it. So well, why not? Yeah. So go for a new challenge. Well, not only that, I mean, if they're going to offer him nine figures also, you know, I mean, his legacy, the guy finish and get paid for it. Yeah. I mean, um, we all hope that Tiger Woods is doing well and 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 recovering and getting back to golf soon. But he's one of the biggest names in global golf. Right. Alongside Greg Norman uh, to have him jump in there. It would not surprise me. You know, are there other guys out there that tend to, um, you know, think outside the box? You know, how about our boy Bryson? Mm-hmm. Right. I, I mean, again, folks, I'm speculating on this, but at the same time, it would make sense to me that some people would go do this. Why? Because it it gives them an even bigger amphitheater to do what they love to do the most. And it's a very interesting thing. Um, 
how the PGA Tour will now read into this and react. Obviously, they know it's going on. Um, they've come out with uh, different programs in order to incentivize players to stay on their tour. Um, this is all going to come to a halt as there's the big Saudi uh, Invitational event on the European tour, or actually it'll be on the, uh, the Asian tour now, um, that is in early February that the guys are asking for permission to go play in, like DJ, Abraham Answer, um, Henrik Stenson, big names want to go over there and play, and they need permission to jump off their tours to go play the other tour. Um, we'll see how they we'll see how the PGA tour reacts to that. There, there's a lot to go. There's a lot to go through here, folks. Um, when you think about it, uh, there was a great post yesterday on Twitter by no laying up guys saying that there have been officials from this tour and they've been seen at uh, some various Trump facilities, one of which is in Bedminster, New Jersey, okay, yeah. uh, that there's a possibility they were doing a site visit for an August 2022, because when you think about it, Greg Norman at the end of the day, got kind of burned by the PGA Tour. He put this world tour together back in the early 90s. They said no. And now we have these world golf challenges. All right. So Donald Trump, was he ever burned by the PGA Tour? Yeah. I mean, he ran no. for president and they he owned Trump Doral. And burns the word, but go ahead. Well, was was he ever <laughs> a circumstance and, of where life took him? I, we don't. I, this is no way. Not political shape, at all. We are not making this political. Not political and I'm all. not taking Trump's side. I'm just saying he owned Trump Doral. And the PGA Tour left Trump Doral when the, the PGA Tour had been at Doral for many, many years. Right. And you know that from Trump's perspective, he probably didn't take to that kindly. Absolutely. So that's all I'm saying. And I can see that side, right? too, by the way. So he's got these world-class facilities like Trump Bedminster or like Trump Turnberry. And, you know, they're worldwide. And he would be the type of guy that would love to. And he, he has. What on, if it runs again, though? What's that? What if he runs again? Are we gonna, is it going to happen all over again? Uh, we're not, I'm not going down. I'm not going down any road <laughs> like that. And then they no, no road like that. All I can say, folks, is that there's a lot going on with this, and you better pay attention. Um, get on those interwebs this weekend. Read a couple <laughs> stories about it. Canizaro's piece today was spot on. Really good perspective. Thanks to Mark and everyone else that's reporting on it. And uh, it's exciting times in golf. Competition is good. And I look forward to my own there on Monday, Tuesday. And you know what else I look forward to is everything that the New Jersey Golf Foundation's up to. Because, you know, they're the charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA. And they are committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. Led by PGA professionals, programming for youth, military veterans, and individuals with special needs provides the opportunity to experience the game in a welcoming environment. To support the New Jersey Golf Foundation or learn more about programs and special events, visit njgolffoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. Here we go. 3.15 p.m. here in New York. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. We'll be back in a moment with Decade Golf's mastermind, Scott Fawcett. Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, and Zubin Mahente. All NFL players get paid a lot. You're Keep, not going to get paid more than me, though, because I'm the guy when Keep, it comes Keep, to clearing it out. Y'all take care of me. Spoken like a true wide receiver. Way to go, Roscoe <laughs> well, Jenkins, team Bar, of me. Bar, his name is first on the show, so we get it. You know, we get it. Me, Sean, as they like to call me, for those that don't know me. But anyway. Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin. Weekday mornings at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio or streaming live on the ESPN app. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. 
With a focus on three core pillars, youth, military, and special needs, the NJGF delivers dynamic programming led by PGA professionals. So individuals from all backgrounds can experience the game of golf in a welcoming environment. An exciting new development is coming soon as the Inspiration Golf Range on the campus of the Lions VA Medical Center in Somerset County will serve as a new golf training facility for Special Olympics New Jersey as well as the new home site for the PGA Hope, a rehabilitative golf program for veterans. To support the New Jersey Golf Foundation or learn more about programs and special events, please visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. That's NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or 732-465-1212. Time to get back on course as the pro show continues. Great show and great questions. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the pro show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You're listening to ESPN 920. Golf is a passion we all share. A game of highs and lows. Each round becomes a journey in self-discovery. Most call it complicated, yet at its core, we are just trying to hit a non-moving object toward a static target. Sounds insanely simple, but in hearing those words, we only get more frustrated. What if there was a way to break down the complexity? Lower scores through logic. Well, there just may be a light at the end of this infinite tunnel. I can't wait to introduce you all to Scott Fawcett. There's an old saying, change brings hope. Well, today's guest is going to change the way you think. And forget hope. Follow this man's plan, and you're sure to be shooting lower scores. And we're back with Scott Fawcett. Scott, welcome to the Pro Show. Good afternoon, my friend. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Thank you for having me on. I always love uh, talking with new people about the same stuff. <laughs> well, you do a good job of it because you've caught my attention on several occasions. And, uh, you know, people in the golf world, of which you and I have been a part of our whole lives, always say that the golf world is small. Well, this is a reunion of sorts. And let's just get right into it. You and I first crossed paths in 2014. My student, who I've mentioned many times on this show, Will Dixon, was playing in the 2014 USGA Junior down in Houston, Texas. And in the uh, Sweet 16, he runs into a golfer by the name of Will Zalatoris. And his caddy is none other than you. Right. So um, I'm there walking along, watching this match. You know, Will had gone through Cameron Young and John Pock, and then he runs into Will Zalatoris, who we all know now. But this was seven years ago. Let's start there. Right. How did you and Will come together and um, how did you and I, you know, kind of oddly meet? (laughs) Well, so Will was just a junior golfer at my home course, Bentry, here in Dallas, Texas. And I'd known him since he was nine years old. And I'm a former playing professional, was a Corn Ferry Tour member while he was, I don't know, probably about 12 to 16 or so. So I was out at the course playing a whole lot. And just that summer of 2014, I had a little bit of an injury, so I couldn't play myself. So I I helped him in the Texas Amateur when he won, and then obviously went down and caddied for him in the U.S. Junior and the U.S. Amateur that summer. So he's just a kid I've known forever, and I've watched struggle like every other junior golfer on the planet. And I was fortunate enough to be able to to snap a little sense into the boy. (laughs) 
Well, there's no doubt, no doubt about that because he ends up winning the junior, right? I mean, that was a pivotal match, and maybe we'll get to that more in a second. But um, you teach course management, right? Why don't more coaches teach that? Honestly, it's just the way the game's set up. It's, it's, a, it's the only sport in the world that's not you know, taught on the field of competition. If you're getting a basketball lesson or a tennis lesson, you're kind of on the court, and they, you're actually able to go through scenarios that you're actually going to see in the game. And golf, it's just not that way. And I'll get parents all the time that complain, like, well, my coach never got, you know, goes out on the course with my son. I'm like, well, did you give him $600? I really rate 150, and they always reply 100% of the time. Well, that's ridiculous. I'm like, I don't disagree. So the game really is just, in so many ways, a very, very unique game. And most of its uniqueness actually makes it essentially impossible to to both teach correctly, learn to play correctly. It's just a, it's, it's why we're all drawn to it for the most part. But it's just a really difficult game to get out on the course for four hours with all of your students. I mean, I'm not going to say difficult. It's actually just impossible. Well, with all of that complexity, um, people come up with theories and they come up with systems and methods with which to try to play better, um, to perform better in tournaments and so on and so forth. And you've come up with a system that has, you know, really not only garnered a lot of attention, but truly is very successful. So tell my listeners who may be not familiar with you about Decade. So back in 2011, well, going all the way back to 2003, really, I met Chris Como playing in an illegal underground poker game here in Dallas. And that was my first time to really start understanding the modern ball flight laws. I really spent a lot of time, Como and I did, teaching and talking math and poker for the next four or five years. And I was kind of a lunatic when I was in my 20s playing professionally in the late 90s, early 2000s. And just, you go play a lot of poker. If you you know remain a lunatic, you're going to give all your money away when you go on tilt. And basically, I played my entire professional career on tilt. And it just, the understanding the math, even though I've got finance and economics degrees, I understand the math, math in general, but I never really thought of applying it to golf. And then as the strokes gain statistics started being released back in 2011, I started realizing I could take all of the shot pattern launch monitor data from Como and I and the rest of Como's players and combine it with the new strokes gain statistics and basically remove the mysticism of course management. I mean, really, there's just so many old sayings that just aren't actually correct once you dig into the math. And really what I think that happens with the junior golfers, especially since I work with them so much, the juniors and collegians is they just don't even have a prefrontal cortex. They don't even have the ability that the piece of the brain that synthesizes all of the information together to make a coherent decision. And as a result, they're always out there just playing by emotion and they're playing by emotion without a logical brain. And that is a deadly combination, which, you know, back to Will and that U.S. junior, Will Dixon, like I honestly, there were a few times that summer I legitimately felt bad because I felt like I, I really was altering the outcome of that golf tournament. It, it just wasn't fair as we've all seen now. Zalatoris is a pretty damn good golfer and take a pretty damn good golfer and throw a pretty objective 45 year old math oriented brain on the bag. And it just, I mean, it just wasn't a fair fight to be honest. Well, Hey, you know, to Will's credit, he took you to the final hole uh, of which yeah. Zalatoris eagled, but uh, <laughs> to win one up, but uh, um, you know, I, I, but, how, but how we got there, what you alluded to earlier, how we got there though was, I mean, Will was on a roll. He had won the, the Texas Amateur. He had won the Transmiss. He had done great in the stroke play. He crushed his first two matches. And we went out, and Will got off to a great start and had us three down through four. And Will was dejected. He used to be quite a powder. Shoulder, body language, everything was down. We hit our tee shot on five. And I let Will walk off, and I sat there with Will Zalatoris. 
And I said, hold on here, buddy. I'm going to need you to change your energy right here. And I got to ask a question. Last night when you went to bed, what did you think you were going to win this match? And he said, what do you mean? I was like, I know you thought you were going to win. What did you think you were going to win this by? And he said, five and three. I'm like, cool. So the way I see this is we're two up right now. And he was like, yeah, I guess. I'm like, cool. Let's just go. If, if you pout, though, you're not going to play that golf. Let's go play the golf that you thought you were going to play when you thought you'd win five up, and let's just do this. And it's exactly what he did. He won on 18, like you say. And I don't know what made me think to say that, but it definitely was the only thing that saved us that day. If he goes another hole or two of pouting or loses another hole, I mean, like by definition, he will not win that match. It's pretty interesting. Well, I... Speaking of interesting, uh, I'm going to make sure that Will Dixon doesn't listen to this show today because he might. He, he, it might make him feel better. He'll know he should have won. <laughs> he, he, he might. He might. Now, um, speaking of winning. Well, you know what, folks? We have a real treat this afternoon. We're talking to Scott Fawcett, and he is the designer of Decade. And Decade is a system for players to use to increase their performance ability when it comes to course management. And Decade is an acronym that stands for something. And I want to dig into this a little bit because I love the choice of some of the words that you have. Uh, Decade, D, distance, E, expectation, C, uh, correct target, A, analyze, D, discipline, and E, execute. Uh, I've taught lessons forever. And I love the second D, discipline. That one really intrigues me. And I I want to kind of dig in there for a second. How do you, um, as a very successful instructor, um, get your players to stay disciplined? I just show them the absolute realities, the just indisputable realities of shot patterns, sizes, variance within those shot patterns, the realities of, of PGA Tour scoring expectations. And at some point, I mean, you can certainly stay hard, hard-headed. I mean, there's definitely a number of players that I work with and I don't really hear from anymore and I don't really see them ever do anything. And I know those guys just kind of, they couldn't quite get over that first hurdle. It does take understanding. You don't really know where, even at the highest level, you don't really know where any given shot's going. Um, you have a general idea, but really, as I show all the time on social media, I've got a shot pattern with Aaron Wise hitting the same seven iron over and over and over again on the driving range, normalized to no wind, and the shot pattern is almost, you know, 30 yards wide. The average green is about 22 or 3 yards wide. Like, you just don't have a whole lot of options. You know, again, he hits his 7-iron 190, but it's uh, you just don't have a whole lot of control over where the golf ball specifically is going to go, and as a result, you just don't have a choice but to pick good, disciplined targets and then really try to hit your shot to him. I mean, one of the main things with discipline, I think is I think I used to pick decent targets in my twenties, but then I didn't actually try to hit it there, which obviously sounds dumb. But if a pin was four yards from the left, I think I would choose a target, you know, depending on the length of the shot, blah, 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 three or five yards right of the target. And then I would hope I pulled it close to the pin. And what I try to get people to understand is you've never sat on a driving range and hoped you pull a shot 15 feet. And, and yet we get out there and we do that like nine times around, and it's just incredible. I, I don't think most amateurs would realize that playing professionals are out there doing that often, and it, it, it is where the outlier shots, it is where double bogeys come from. It, it really, really is, and that's the hardest part, I think, of it. I, I do believe that the flag is the most distracting thing in the game, and getting good at not seeing that flag is a very difficult thing to do. It just takes discipline. You know, when I was a kid, uh, 
I caddied a bunch here in Central Jersey, and we used to be on the Monday tour. Whoever didn't have an outing, we would sneak on that golf course uh, because we had friends and that were at all the different golf courses, and they'd say, hey, you know, we could come over to Plainfield or go to Echo Lake or go here or whatever, right? And some of those courses on Mondays, because they were doing maintenance, there would be no flags out there. And those were some of the best rounds of my junior golf life. You know, because there were there truly was no distraction. So it, it, there's a huge point there, folks, to what Scott's trying to say is that if you remove the flag uh, and you just go for the meat of the green and, and, you know, here's something that I wanted to ask you about, because I spent five years as an apprentice professional down at Isleworth and I was there from 98 to 03. So I was there during the height of the tiger power. Right. And mm-hmm. I and I knew Tiger's five rules and I'll never forget. He came back from 2002 at Beth Page, and I said, man, I go, that golf course was so hard. He goes, people made it harder than it was. And I go, well, what do you mean by that? And he goes, he goes, by the time I, I had it figured out, like after you know one and a half rounds, he goes, I aimed at the center of everything. He goes, I, that's all I did. He goes, if you if you go back and look at the tape, he goes, that final round, he goes, you know, the reason I was under par and, and people weren't was because he goes, I went to the center of every green. He goes, I don't care if I was above the pin. You know, I didn't I didn't fall for all those old adages. You know, you got to stay below the pin and everything. He goes, I took the meat of everything. He goes, and as a result, he goes, I won the U.S. Open. Right. I mean, isn't that largely what you believe as well? Uh, yes. And I. I the only caveat is the center of the green. It, it can that can also be bad advice. Now, in a U.S. Open, it's probably never going to be bad advice. If you're playing people that are not playing correctly, it's never going to be bad advice. But number eighteen at, at St. Andrews is fifty-two yards wide. That it's the non back to what we were talking about initially. The non-uniformity of course design makes you have to dig a little bit deeper. But on average, it's not the worst advice ever. It, now, it's not going to be optimal, but. It's also not the worst advice ever. It, it is just incredible to go back and, I mean, as, as most people know at this point, I've, I've went through shot length, not just the data, but the actual images of where 20,000 of Tiger's shots went and hand plotted them, turning them essentially into a launch monitor shot pattern. And it's just, it's just incredible. A very clear pattern emerges. It's not quite the center of the green. It's not quite at the flag. It depends on the length of the shot and the surrounding hazards and, and a few other things. But people just have to realize you the pin is very rarely the target that's that much is for sure yeah I, that's a great clarifying point i meant the center of the green at beth page but in his mind he was always going towards the safest area under the under the the height of competition under the most intense pressure he was always going to take the easiest route out and if you go to his five rules and you got to give everybody tiger's five rules right None of them mention scoring, really, when it comes like no one, none of them say like, hey, go make Eagle. Right. Give yeah. give my listeners the five rules. So Tiger had these five things he tracked back in the day. And it was how many bogeys did he have on par fives? How many blown easy saves? How many double bogeys? How many three putts? How many bogeys with nine iron or less? And what was it? Was that five? That's five. That's bogeys the five. five yep. so, OK, also, I was like, I, I set him out of order there at the start. And I just lost myself. Yeah. But that's exactly what you say there is. Tiger wasn't out there tiptoeing around trying to not make mistakes. He's playing aggressive golf in his mind, but he's playing aggressive, conservative golf. And what I really try to, back to the discipline question, what I really try to get players to understand is every single time that you finish a round of golf and you think you should have shot two to five shots lower, which is unfortunately for all of us, 100% of our rounds, it's never like you say, man, I should have eagled six or I should have stuffed that seven iron or made that 30 footer. It's I should not have bogeyed that par five three putted from 22 feet, 
knock off that one up ball up and down and made that bogey with the sandwich. That's how you wasted the four shot. And you turned a 71 into a 75 or a 78 into 83. Like it's all the same. And, and they do it at the highest level. So of those tiger five, because of the ability to get in there to shot link, we turned the blown easy save into two chips because we, and blown easy save is subjective to Tiger's opinion. And we turned bogeys with nine iron or less into bogeys from 150 or less. And the the top five finishers make 6.4 of those mistakes per tournament. So in 72 holes, they're having, you know, over one and a half of those around. So it's not no three putts. It's not too many three putts. It's not even no bogeys on par fives. It's not too many bogeys on par fives. And once you really understand, you can make a lot of pretty pedantic mistakes and still, and again, we're talking about winning on the PGA Tour here, not just your local AJGA. Just eliminate those silly mistakes and your scores are, I mean, they're just going to drop. And, and most people that can shoot in the 70s are good enough to not make bogey with a gap wedge almost at, you know, at, at will. And it takes a lot of discipline to just wait out the, the birdies, not try to force the birdies, and more than anything, try to not make the stupid mistakes and trust the birdies will be there. Hey, audience, I know we've been talking a lot about the PGA Tour, Tiger Woods, Will Zalatoris, and shooting in the 70s, but I got to go to a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the bogey golfer and why decade is so important and why Scott's methodology really works. So up next more with golf's super strategist, Scott Fawcett. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Greenberg is Greeny. Chris Paul is one of those guys whose numbers, if you look at them, are so good that they almost seem made up. But, you know, he was never on the best team all those years in New Orleans, wasn't able to go to the Lakers, winds up on the Clippers. Then they fell short. But now here he is, the veteran presence on this otherwise very young Phoenix team. It would mean everything to his legacy. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. Weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and watch exclusively on ESPN+. Today's interview is brought to you by Summit Golf Brands. Golf's coolest company offers everything you need to look great while you play your best. As the weather starts to turn, you have to be prepared for on and off the course. Take a look at the award-winning zero-restriction line of active and outerwear. Yes, ladies, they offer yoga pants and city windbreakers. The Urban Wind Jacket will have your friends asking where you got it. Guys, if you want that cool off-the-course look on the links, try the new Champ Hoodie. It's a hybrid wind jacket with ultra-soft sleeves and lining. You can immediately tell Summit believes in creating products that people really want. Right now, Zero Restriction is offering an exclusive 25% off discount with code STEWART25! So run, don't walk to that computer, and head to ZeroRestriction.com for all your cool golf and lifestyle gear needs. So you got a great voice for radio. Time to get back on course. Thanks for radio. (laughs) I get a lot of that, too. As the Pro Show continues, once again, Keith Stewart. It's the Pro Show, and I'm Keith Stewart. Welcome back to our conversation with Scott Fawcett. You know you're listening to New Jersey's ESPN 920. Working with a coach can really help your game. Golf is a great journey. Don't walk it alone. It takes two to increase the fun. Speaking of fun, Wade, it's the weekend. Hit it! I want to rock right now. I'm Rob Bates and I came to get down. I'm not into it. 
internationally known. But I'm known throughout the microphone because yeah, there's no doubt I am known throughout the microphone, and so is our guest today, Scott Fawcett. When it comes to the PGA Tour, this man knows AJGA. He knows he has got some of the greatest performers out there, and we are pleased to be joined by him this afternoon. Decades own Scott Fawcett. Welcome back. And uh, hey, man, it's the pro show. We have fun on a Friday afternoon. You having some fun with us? I am, yeah. That, that music was a little more uplifting than the one on the uh, the first intro, so I'm, I'm feeling better for the second half here. Let's do this. All right, absolutely. So uh, as things always come out, we you know we get criticized a lot as PGA professionals that a lot of our conversations are centered around PGA Tour, shooting in the 70s, uh, maybe our um, biases lean a little bit towards playing better golf. I have a lot of bogey golfers. I have a lot of people that shoot 100. You know, how does your system impact their game? Because I know that it does, but break it down for them. It's the same thing. I mean, it is about avoiding mistakes more than anything else. So your your 95 shooter, as they get improve all the way down to 79, so as they get 16 shots better, they only are going to be making one more birdie. The other 15 shots are from bogey and higher avoidance. And there's just a lot of situations where, you know, it's just not that hard to two putt from 15 to 25 feet and, and understanding to be working on your speed and not necessarily trying to make those putts that are basically, you know, a 0% make rate for the, for the 90 shooter. And yet everybody wants to make all these putts. But what you really got to understand is that if you just get your speed right, the hole is going to magically jump in the way of just about the same amount of putts by leaving a ton short because you made the hole bigger. You're going to make about the same amount. And then the next place you're going to save the most bogeys is by just learning to chip out from the trees. I mean, and I'm almost talking straight out without getting too into the strokes game. You know, you have to use PGA Tour data to illustrate this point. But tour players average 100 yards, uh, excuse me, 3.8 shots to hole out from 100 yards in the trees. They average 2.8 shots to hole out from 100 yards in the fairway. That literally means that if they were to just chip it out sideways from 100 yards in the trees, it would basically be a perfect golf shot. It would be a zero strokes gain shot. Now just amplify that across the board times a thousand. It's your, it's your 80, 85, 90, 95 shooter. But we all get in the trees and we see this little hole out there and we try to thread it through it. And shockingly, we either got it up too high into the trees or down too low and it stayed in the rough. And you're just trying to get way too much out of it. So you're trying to get it to like 70 yards instead of 120 yards. There's basically no difference in those two shots for the 90 shooter. I mean, and again, obviously there is, but not worth taking on any risk to try to get it to 70 yards instead of 120. So, again, circling back to discipline, that I got pretty lucky with two of the letters that, that, I, that I chose for decade, E-expectation and D-discipline, because at the time when I created the acronym, I was thinking it was all math, but in hindsight, six years later, the, uh, the, the, the mental components, the, the expectation management and the discipline – truly are the two most important things you can take from anything I say to a 95 shooter. Yeah. I think about those two words a lot. You know, if you, if you have good expectations, accurate expectations, realistic expectations, and you're disciplined, uh, you'll play patient golf and patient golf is one that's going to lower scores. Uh, I really feel like there's no way around that. It's, it's, when you get a new student, I'm, I'm curious about this. This is just kind of a fun question. But when you get a new student and you present this logic to them, um, what's generally their first impression? Because the first time I started to really dig into this a couple of years ago and I was looking at it, I go, man, that makes so much sense. You know, it's like post-its. And yet you're the, you're the one that invented it. Right. Um, Do you ever get some fun reactions from people that 
you know, maybe try to argue with you or whatever. And you're like, Hey, come on, you know, like look at the numbers. So the vast majority of when I teach players, I mean, honestly, the vast majority, I just have my decade app and that's the, the, my main avenue for teaching players. So I really don't get to hear much of their response other than the emails they send me saying thank you and whatnot on a daily basis. The main people that I do get to actually hear the reactions to are the PGA Tour type players. And for the most part, they are all coming to me because they know what they're doing is not working. And so they're pretty open-minded. Now, it does take a little bit of work to get through to them. Like, just trust me, this is how it works. I've, I've repeated this process a million times, but, you know, so far we're only a couple tournaments into the season. And the first week I worked with Adam Shank, week one, he had his best finish ever, finished third. The next week I worked with Keith Mitchell for the first time. He went out and was 16 under through 27 holes. And my advice to him was, let's start by not sucking. Don't try to make any putts. Just try to get your gap wedge on the green. Like, I swear to you, that's what I'm telling this guy because his agent is telling me how great he is. And so I basically have to tell Keith, well, go show me. Like, again, if you're such a great driver, I, can't, I don't believe you can't hit a gap wedge on a green. And, again, they're usually kind of struggling when they get to me, and they just always play better immediately. I mean, I'm not kidding. Like, it's kind of spooky, to be perfectly honest. But it's just a matter of straightening up their brain and just getting them to accept they don't have as much control over the outcome as they think. It's this Yoda saying, you know, to gain control, one must give up control. Stop trying to make birdies. Stop trying to make putts. Winning requires luck and move on. I'll talk to the next guy in a couple weeks. It's it's pretty crazy, to be perfectly honest. Folks, there's no doubt the force flows strongly through our guest today. And he's Scott Fawcett. And <laughs> and he he presents a very modern way of thinking when the, he approaches how to attack and perform on a golf course. So I want to dig into your brain a little bit. You know, what inspires you as a person to, to try to think outside the box because there's there's definitely a way that you you your macro view of the golf world or just the world in general um you know what inspires you to try to you know challenge the status quo and then look at these situations and then break them down and then help people i'm curious about that that's a good question honestly i you know i've i've, I've went I, I beat my head into the wall like everybody else who's tried to play this game you know unsuccessfully professionally you, you do everything you can. You think you're trying as hard as you can and you just are getting in your way. And I know the, the struggles I went through as a junior and collegian and I watched Zalatoris do the exact same thing. Like nobody has a linear path to stardom. And what I've learned, uh, you know, and again, since I can be pretty objective, even about my own mistakes, even though people think I'm a little, uh, a little overconfident, I'm really trying to be as self-deprecating as possible. Just like, people, this is what I sucked at. And I'm not a unicorn, so I know you do too. And I'm really just trying to help people not have to go through the 20 years to figure all this out, if you even ever figure it out. I certainly never figured it out on my own. I figured it out only because of Mark Brody's great work creating strokes gained and then applying it with a math and a logic background. And at some point, you just, you have no, you can't dispute anything. And so really just trying to help people. You know, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan, Joe, Jim Rohn fan. I really do want to help people just live a little bit happier, a little bit less uh, less painful life than it has to be. And there's just a lot of simple things, especially in golf, that you can do to, to accomplish that. You know, you mentioned it right there. You like helping people. Looking back over the last, you know, since 2014 or 2011, where you really started this, what makes you most proud? Honestly, helping Zalatoris. I mean, that guy, that, that guy, he qualified for the U.S. Junior when he was 12 and 13. All the world, I mean, that's young to qualify for companies. 12, 13, 14, 15, and 17, technically. But um, 
all the eyes were on him and he basically committed to Wake Forest really young and then he went into a multi-year slump and struggle and it was it was tough to watch he's a good kid I really like him I I worked I do some work with his dad and like I would consider myself a friend of the family and I felt a little helpless for a long time like I don't know what to say like this guy's this kid's just not getting it and it was just all strategy and psychology related and so that helping him it really is like I, I've got the picture of us when he hold out the shot to to go dormy in the finals of the U.S. Junior and it really is the the most awesome memory. I'm literally looking at it right now. It's, the, it's just the best memory I have on a golf course. And I've personally done some pretty fun things, but that that one memory just trumps everything. Well, if my listeners are looking for their own fun, if they're looking for their own hole-out moment, right, if they're looking for their own Zalator story, how do they get involved with Decade? Yeah, at this point, luckily for me, you can just search a decade golf. I did create an acronym, like I say, I'm a Tony Robbins fan. I did turn it into a six-step acronym, trying to Tony Robbins the process for sure. And luckily, it, it worked with the first word I tried. And if you just Google decade golf, you're going to find it at this point. But we do give away month one of our foundations course. We give it away for free. Uh, it is all about shot patterns and practice habits and the realities of scoring. And it is a standalone month that I think, you know, if you think of like Pareto's Law of the 80-20 analysis, it doesn't quite do 80% of the work, but it's like the 60-40 of decade because I really just want to give it to everyone. Everybody have it, and you're going to shoot lower scores. If you enjoy it and you want to go further, great. You can sign up for the rest of it. It's only 100 bucks for six months. If you don't, that's fine, too. Not going to change my life one bit. So that's the best place to start is that free month of foundations. We've got a link to it on our websites and social media, uh, You know, just playinglesson.com. And Scott Fawcett, it's, it's pretty hard to miss me at this point on social media, unfortunately. <laughs> well, you know what, Scott? I mean, you've been great today. Um, your passion shines through and your voice and all that you do. And, and you truly are helping people. And, and I think it's important as a PGA professional and someone who's taught the game for decades myself. Uh, I, I love the fresh way of approaching the golf course. And I wish more people would teach the game on the golf course. So I salute you for that. Now, with all of those nice things being said, we do have a little tradition here on the pro show. And my my listeners love to get to know my guests on a little bit more of a personal level. So oh um, you you sound like a fun guy and uh, I've heard stories. So I, I, uh, I are you up for a little rapid fire Q&A, my friend? Let's do it. Favorite Texas A&M alumni athlete all time. Uh. Oh my God, that's I'm such a non-sports guy. I can't even name one. To be honest, <laughs> how pathetic is that? Me, I literally don't watch sports, so I have no idea. All right, on a scale of one <laughs> to ten, rate your tech savvy. My tech savvy, I'm about a seven, six. Adult beverage of choice: is it colored or clear? Uh, Tito's and soda, the splash of orange juice. Hopefully, not too many of them. <laughs> Describe 2021 in one word. Awesome. Could you coach Johnny Manziel through Corn Ferry Tour Q School? You know, it's funny because that actually was who I started to say back there, and I couldn't think of his name. That's your first question. I, I do think I could. I've seen the guys swing. Like, I, I don't know if we could get him to final stage, but I could make him a lot better than he than he currently is for sure. Well, you know, I was interested in the answer to that. So, uh, cool. Uh, most interesting person you met this year. Most interesting person I met this year. I mean, that's unfortunate for me because I, because of the pandemic in 2021, I don't get to meet that many. That many. Uh, I'm telling you, I got a COVID brain, and I'm an idiot. I can't even think of a single person I've met new this year. Keith Keith Stewart. 
Ah, best answer. All right. Where where will Will Zalatoris have his first PGA Tour win? He's going to win at a place like PGA National, the players, Innisbrook, somewhere really, really hard. He is going to win on a ball striker's paradise, just like, and the reason those came to mind is where Keith Mitchell had his win, and I literally guessed without even looking where he had his win because I knew the more, the harder the, paradoxically, the harder the golf course is, the, the more ball striking becomes a, a, important. And a guy like Keith, who was negative strokes gained approach in all of his years, the courses like that force you to play the course correctly because it's just obvious you can't fire at pins and it handcuffs guys like that. But then their actual ball striking shines through. Zalatoris is going to do the same thing. One more. When you hear the words modern golfer, what's the first image that comes to mind? Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, well, you know what? There's definitely someone that thinks outside the box. I've really enjoyed this conversation this afternoon, Scott Fawcett. I can't thank you enough for coming on the pro show. Uh, we got to have you back at some point and talk more about this. There's just tons to get to. Thanks so much. You tell me when I'm always involved or always interested. Thank you. All right, Scott. Wow. That was, that was a pretty cool conversation there, Mr. Wade Weezer. You know, we're fast approaching 4 p.m. So everybody, thanks for listening to ESPN 920. We're coming back to wrap up today's show with the weekly update. The Max Kellerman Show. You know, there was no one there like, hey, where's that guy we just hired? He just stopped showing up suddenly 15 years ago. So he got away with it. 650 Gs. And now he's being sued. I don't know. I, you can't just not show up for work. But, but if he's not, like, doing anything fraudulent and they're just sending him the checks, I mean, why wouldn't he just deposit it in his account? The Max Kellerman Show. Weekdays at 2 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Watch exclusively on ESPN+. Join the thousands of golfers who already call Stick and Hack their home for the best golf stories, original podcasts, special events, member perks, and an active community of golfers across North America. Up until now, the golf media landscape lived somewhere between straight PGA coverage or idiots wrecking golf carts. We take a different approach by celebrating all sides of golf, life, and all the ways this amazing game connects Sticks and Hacks every day. Your free membership entitles you to discounts from major brands all over the country while connecting you with like-minded golfers for discussion, tips, or even a round of golf. So head to stickandhack.com and enjoy the world's greatest golf club without the course. When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips that you plan in advance, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends for which you make a group chat three months before so that nobody or anything is missing. Or your daughter's first birthday party. You planned it with such dedication that instead of the first, it felt like our quince's. The same way you plan each detail for those moments. Start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Protecting your family is the best plan you can make. Get started at ready.gov slash plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Get ready for the back nine. As the pro show continues, once again, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the pro show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and you're listening to ESPN 920. Saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand. 
podcast will be up tonight. Check iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Come on and subscribe. Speaking of subscribing, Twitter's been fun and lucrative lately. Check me out at, at KJStewartDOF. And of course, if you want to check us out globally, 920ESPNNewJersey.com. Just hit that Listen Now button and stream us. Happy Halloween, everybody. Ow. Stay safe this weekend. Turn it up, Wade. That's probably my favorite Halloween song. I don't know. I heard Monster Mash on the radio this morning. Yeah, that, it's always fun just to hear that stuff on the radio, you know, because you don't, it's that, this gets played still on classic rock stations, but not Monster Mash so much. Yeah. That one's, I, I like that one. So thanks for, uh, the lyrics to that song are insane, by the way. Oh, uh, the lyrics, yeah. Werewolf of London. Look, look, look that one up, folks. And, uh, speaking of insane, you want insane performance like Scott Fawcett? <laughs> like Scott Fawcett was talking about? Well, you got to use those P790 irons from our friends at TaylorMade. An iron is more than metal. It's the result of countless hours of research, testing, and player feedback. You're playing in that wind in Bermuda? You need these things. From concept to delivery, every step is taken with one goal in mind, delivering results when you need them most. It's where our metal meets your metal. Little play on words there. It is, yeah, yeah for right. sure. Get fit for the all new P790 irons and discover the player they'll push you to become. Check them out and to find a fitter near you, go to TaylorMadeGolf.com. The most predictable weekend in golf. We're going to go for a trifecta real quick here, Mr. Wade Weezer. Sure, sure. Richmond, Virginia, PGA Tour champions. The winner, surprise, Bernard Longer. His 42nd time on the 50 and over tour. Now we're going to jump to Japan. The winner there, home countryman Hideki Matsuyama. He made two eagles in the final round, right? And he, he beat Tra- Cameron Tringali on the back nine to win the Zozo Championship. You know, he, Matsuyama said he felt the weight of the country on his back. And he, he that really inspired him to play his best golf, even though he didn't know he was in such fine form if to he win. Lo- if he lost, would he have said he felt the pressure of the entire country on his back? Um. We'll never know. Now, over to South Korea. Jin Young-ko, who basically is winning everything these days, but now has won her second event in a row, the BMW Ladies Championship. She won in her home country. So we have Bernard Longer as a winner, Hideki Matsuyama in Japan, and Jin Young-ko, the number two golfer, strike that, now the number one golfer in the world, winning in her home country of South Korea. So... uh, Going in, it seemed obvious to go with the chalk. That's a little betting talk there, Mr. Wade Weezer. Sure, sure. But congrats to, congrats to those who did. You know, you would have won. And in uh, a cool side story. There you go. Good shot. Ooh, that was aggressive. In <laughs> a cool side story, the Jin Young Ko's win. This is the 200th win on the LPGA Tour by a South Korean-born player. And it happened in oh, South wow. Korea. Interesting. So pretty cool there, right? Speaking of not cool, the defending <laughs> champ has to wait. The life of a PGA Tour player isn't always glamorous, even if you're the defending champion in Bermuda. Brian Gay, who won last year's Butterfield Bermuda Championship in a playoff, was on his way back to Port Royal Golf Course on Monday when his plans were delayed by an overweight plane. Gay, along with at least one other PGA Tour player, was unable to board his flight to Bermuda from Charlotte because the plane was, quote unquote, too heavy. Because of weight limitations, Gay, along with his wife Kimberly, were bumped to the next flight to Bermuda, which wasn't until Tuesday. Although Gay seems to have a good handle on the nuances of Port Royal, where he finished third in 2019 and first the last time they played there, the delay will limit his preparation. You don't think it's because someone had like 
2,000 pounds of cocaine in their suitcase. I don't, I don't know. I'm surprised they didn't ask Gay to just transfer from his bags to his carry-on. You know, Fair enough. I mean, that one kills me. That one just kills me. All right, next one. Trapped in the bathroom in Santa Ponsa, Spain. Getting trapped in the bathroom didn't stop Jeff Winther from winning his first European tour event at the Mallorca Open on Sunday. The 33-year-old Dane shot even par 70 in the final round to finish 15 under for the tournament on the Mediterranean Islands Santa Pulsa, of course. As always, we have audio. Uh, calm down. I'll just unlock it with this coat hanger. Didn't work. <laughs> Overnight leader Winther not only overcame windy conditions to win the title, he also needed his daughter to help him out when he and his wife got locked in the bathroom Sunday morning. Our little girl, Nora, six years old, had to go and find guys at the reception desk to break down the door said Winther. We were in there for 45 minutes. I think I thought, geez, not today. He's not like, Sunday. You're Hurry, I have to go to the bed. Oh, wait, hang on. Never mind. <laughs> He's like, you're leading the freaking event. He's like, it can't be today. Uh, I might not get there for my tea time. What a morning. All right. So I, I guess this gives new meaning to the notion of heading to the bathroom when you're nervous. <laughs> Right. I'll be right back. What yeah. could possibly go wrong? There you go. I'll be right back. I'll uh, be back. Well, lots of things. All right. We got one more here. Of course, you know who it is. My man and your man. It's our weekly J.R. Smith update. Hit it. What you know about rolling down in the deep when your brain goes numb? You can well, this week, our friend J.R. Smith, uh, he was a little bit honorary. Uh, he had his second tournament last weekend. He played okay. Mm. Um, you know, it's his second collegiate tournament ever. And I think a lot of people have very lofty expectations for JR, which are, are definitely unfair. Yeah, it's not But um, he had uh, about an 80, 82, uh, 78, something like that. But I mean, you know, fair for college golf. I mean, he, he is taking on a totally new... He's a basketball player. He, I mean, give him a break. He's a world champion basketball <laughs> yes, player. Yes, Two-time, yes. right? So he hit, he hit us with these tweets this week. I hate the media. Anything for clicks. Uh, don't even have to be true. Stop asking to come film and ask me questions. You don't care about me. You care about your story. Stop it with the, I just want to help change the narrative because you don't. Oh. I don't need you to tell my side of anything. I don't need you to talk about what I'm doing as far as I care. None of y'all ever have to say my name again, and I'm cool with that. Cancel me from y'all mouth. Well, that's, that's JR. I think you had a bad week on the course. Happens. We, we still love you, right? I still think it's one of the most positive stories in all of golf. So I'm going to give him a pass on this one. And here's why I think it's so positive, right? And why I take great pride in reporting this story week in and week out. He's helping grow the game. Here's a related story. In Roland, Arkansas, North Carolina A&T women's golfer Christine Carr. All right. So on the women's team there at the same college where he is. Okay. Okay. She was in competition last weekend. All right. And Carr set the course record by becoming the first collegiate player to shoot a score of 70 below on the course that they were competing on, the Elotion course, by shooting a three under 69. She also set a school record for the lowest round ever by anyone on her team with that 69. Wow, that's wow. <laughs> JR, man, if you had a tough week, my apologies, but we're keeping it positive up here on the pro show. What you do makes an impact. It certainly did for Christine Carr, and I know it does for my listeners. So, folks, that's your Pro Show update for the week ending October 29th, 2021. You know what we can't thank enough is our sponsors. That weekly update sponsor, TaylorMade Golf. 
the New Jersey Golf Foundation, and of course, our interview sponsor, Summit Golf Brands. Appreciate them. And uh, I appreciate you there, Mr. Wade Weezer. Oh, thank you. Kind of like Ted Lasso appreciates <laughs> Coach Beard, you know? Biscuits. You are, you are always, yes. Uh, well, I, I would appreciate those biscuits for sure. And uh, I appreciate my listeners. Now, before I go, like I do week in and week out, I'm going to leave you all with one brief thought, this time about persistence. Now, before I go, I'm going to leave you all with one brief thought about persistence. We all know future favors the brave. Show resolve and always be willing to take one more step than the person next to you. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and this is The Pro Show. Thanks for joining us for today's show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart returns to the team next Friday at 3 on ESPN 920.